want to do more than follow orders, think outside of the box, and manifest your dreams, then you've come to the right show. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a gold star daughter, veteran spouse, and entrepreneur. For season seven, I am ecstatic to be in partnership with the Rosie Network to highlight motivational stories of personal growth, financial awareness, and autonomy in our military community. Now, let's get started. All right, hey everyone, welcome back. Jen Amos here. Really excited to wrap up our two-part interview with Tom Welsh in this episode. As a recap, if you want to hear the first part, go ahead and look up episode 162. For episode 164, this episode, let me open up with a quote from Tom Welsh. He says, I realized that after I retire, there's a whole new world out there to explore and to redefine myself. And so once again, my husband, Scott, who is also my co-host and business partner and husband and life partner and for a co-parent kind of guy, we have two pets. So he co-parents with me for a two-part interview with After the Jag podcast host, Tom Welsh. For this final interview, Tom shares his views on post-military life are changing. He now sees opportunities to explore and redefine himself. Tom explains how working with U.S. Vet Wealth as a client allows him to take ownership of financial planning earlier and plans and explains why earning additional income is crucial. He shares how he discussed privatizing his pension with his wife, his thoughts of saving for retirement and his own retirement plans. So Tom, it was a pleasure having you on our show, especially as a fellow podcaster. I feel like my job is always easier when I get to talk with other podcasters. Not that other guests make it hard. I just, I feel like, oh, it's my people. <laughs> you know, it's my podcast people. So congrats on your success. Congrats on your, you know, post-military life and what you're doing with it so far and redefining yourself. I think this is a great conversation for, you know, any retiree that is, you know, peeking over the fence and seeing what post-military life could look like for them. And again, Tom Welsh has an amazing podcast show where he gets to share success stories of people who have designed their post-military life the way that they wanted to. And, and, you know, just sharing like all those success stories. So thank you, Tom, so much for that. And if you want to get a hold of Tom as you're listening to this conversation, if you want to look him up, go ahead and check out the show notes of this episode and you will get links to his podcast as well as how to get a hold of him. You can also open up a browser, whether you're on mobile or on desktop, and look up holdingonthefortpodcast.com. In the search bar on the very top of our website, you can type in 164, that's episode 164 for Tom Welsh, and you'll be able to get more of the show notes and ways to get a hold of him. So Tom, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Hope you all enjoy this conversation, get a ton of value out of it. I'm most excited to you know hear his own testimonial of what it's like being a client with us because very often we have people say like, well, what's it like working with you? Well, we'll have Tom Walsh explain that. <laughs> you can listen in on what he has to say about what it's like working with our company, you know, being a client of ours and just killing it. So enjoy and hang around for the post commentary for any additional content and commentary I want to share about this episode. All right. Happy listening. Did you, was part of that, uh, you know, a not get started early, 
this kind of fear that I hear people say like, well, I'm still active duty. I can't put myself out there yet because of security clearance or my boss or, you know, all these almost fake rules that we kind of think we have on active duty. Did that affect you at all? And what would you say to other retirees who are a few years out about getting to kind of start early? Put again, just putting their name out there. Hi, Kat. <laughs> oh, I thought I heard a bell, but Woody. anyway. <laughs> that's that's witty. That, um, so, Scott, it wasn't so much that I felt that it was a, a service constraint, Good. if you will, though I did have the Navy JAG PAO ask me, did you clear well, yeah, this there with you anybody? So, um, yeah, but you're not a rule follower. So there, <laughs> but, but yeah. Well, but right, I right, knew right. the rules no, too. No, no. And I knew that, you know, like I did, for example, when I was designing, getting my designer art my for my cover art, I reached out to the Office of Naval Research, which does patents and that kind of protection. I said, hey, can I use the Navy JAG Corps emblem? Oh. Like, no. <laughs> so I had to pay the guy another 10 bucks to, to change it. So I, I wanted to make sure I was square with mm-hmm. that. But, but to your point, everyone needs to realize that, and you know this, is that if you drop dead tomorrow of a stroke, if you get run over by a tank, if you're in an aviation mishap, you're going to be mourned and they're going to move on. They're going to bring somebody else in to do the job. And you really, really owe it to yourself to be doing what you need to do for the future because no one else is going to do it for you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that's one of the things we hear often about, you know, why isn't the military retirement process or the tran- transition assistance programs, you know, better? Why is everybody upset when we come out thinking, hey, they didn't help prepare me better? Well, it's the military's job to win our nation's wars, not get you a job. <laughs> and at some point, we just got to stop following orders. Yeah. And I really, I was really fortunate in the sense that between the time I came up with this idea and when I actually launched it, I moved from the office of the CNO. I was uh, one of the N2, N6 to National Defense University, where when I wasn't teaching, I had the bandwidth to put towards my podcast, to put towards my career t- progression, all those things, my real estate business that, you know, last year when the academic year came to an end, there was almost no connection with National Defense University until we had an offsite right before the school year began. I mean, there was emails and there was teams meetings, but I was doing most of that from the comfort of my own home when I wasn't walking to Camino in Spain or a Boy Scout camp or doing half a dozen other things that we did last summer. I wanted to comment on what you just said, where eventually you get to a point where you have to look out for yourself and your family and you got to be in control of your future because the point you made that stood out to me is that as a service member, you are replaceable. You know, should anything happen to you, you will be replaced. And so, yes, we can follow the rules and all those things. But to know that you are replaceable, I think it, it adds a different perspective here and, and really stresses the importance of, you know, thinking for yourself and to stop following orders. And I know for you, Tom, like I know you, you've known Scott for a couple of years now and, and now you're officially one of our clients as from what I know. And so I want to talk about like in addition to goodness, your real estate business, your podcast show, and I'm sure all the other amazing things that you're doing. Tell us about how, I guess, our company, U.S. Bat Wealth and working with Scott has supported, you know, your post-military life. Yeah. So as I, um, you know, looking ahead, the message that resounded with me with U.S. Vet Wealth was you need to take ownership of it now and make these financial decisions, not as you're going 
out the door, but beforehand. And when I started really talking to Scott about this, I was trying for a soft landing in the sense that I was flirting or working with one company that if they offer me a job, my goal was to put in my papers and try to be out of the service in six months. And I had a lot of leave time that I would be able to, to just leave mm. and start working right away. And it ended up not happening. But as I talked to Scott and realizing, hey, this takes time to get through this, the insurance underwriting, it wasn't long, but it takes time. It's just not an automatic signature. You need to pre-plan. You need to execute ahead of time. So like all of this sort of happened earlier than I would have liked in the sense that if you're doing it from a straight financial aspect of six and a half percent of my monthly retainer check, you know, the the, the idea would be, okay, I, re- I retired December 1st and I start with U.S. wealth the following mm. month and I'm only writing yeah. whatever, you know, less than I'm writing for the uh, thrift savings plan or not thrift savings, but the survivor benefit plan. But it didn't do that. And I was like, okay, I got to do this now because if the opportunity presents itself, this piece is in place and I don't have to worry about that. And which is what I did. It's in place. I've already submitted the paperwork, for example, for all the financial aspects of retirement. You know, it's kind of funny because now you have to digitally sign everything. I had to get a witness digitally signed that he witnessed my digital (laughs) signature. (laughs) But then- then I have to print it out and give it to my spouse to go get notarized mm-hmm. to make her election. Right. So all that's done. And now I'm just uh, trying to finish up the physical part and the final paperwork part and then do my out processing and into you. So back to your question, that allowed me to look at the financial aspect, to look at what happens if if I mm-hmm. die, which we don't like mm-hmm. to do. But you know, I had a father-in-law he spent 22 years in the Navy, developed cancer, and died at 59. Mm. And he was a first-class petty officer, and he's six. Mm-hmm. And watching my mother-in-law go through that experience of, just as Scott talked about, of one day your your husband's getting a full retirement check and he's working. The next day you're on your own mm-hmm. and you've got to wait a few months until you get that 55% right. of his retainer which especially, you know, it's not easy to do even if you have other resources. So the idea that if I step out here and get run over by a truck, you know, December 2nd or whatever, that there's an un, a non-taxable death benefit coming that my wife would be able to then set up financial management, everything else to take care of herself for the next 30, 40, 50 years, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, that's huge. That is really huge to say, okay, I've got that part taken care of. Now, there's more to it, and anybody who gets the book will understand that there's more to it because term life, if you keep the same policy for years, it gets more expensive. But understanding that my financial needs now are not going to be the same thing in 25 mm-hmm. years, which if you went, for example, survive benefit plan, you're committed mm-hmm. to that. Right. This gives you freedom to invest and to use the money and all those things. So to me, it's really about streams of income, liquidity, and contingency planning at this point. I'm actually curious, did you ever run into anything around, you know, what happens when a service member passes away on active duty and how the spouses collect all the benefits and stuff or back when that whole DIC, the dependency indemnity compensation lawsuits were going on? 
I have no idea if that would ever come up in your wheelhouse, but like we have uh, a friend who's an admiral's spouse and is over a year later is still not received an SBP payment because of a paperwork snafu. And it's, you know, the lawyers involved and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, you know, it's like if we can you know, take that opportunity to privatize, you know, that's the message, you know, if you can qualify, if not, then, you know, good. We, we're glad we have, you know, the backup as the ben- benefits of backup in, in, in that regard. Yeah. No, I've never done. I mean, the only thing I ever saw on active duty is when you had someone, you know, imminent death situations where they're trying to retire them on active duty. Oh, geez. Uh, and I can't remember all the ins and outs. I mean, and, and I was, I mean, I, would, I was at uh, out in the field and then at our Navy personnel command when, hey, you know, the intimate death and how they jumped through the, and they did amazing work. It was a really w- amazing watching, for example, the everybody essentially stopping for E4 and E5 to get everything done to take care of the family. But I never really had to deal with those aspects because, as you know, most retirees, there's no connection with them and they don't really get the services of an active duty judge advocate anymore. No, no, I just, uh, you know, curious. Uh, we don't get to talk to many law- lawyers in active duty who, who might know that kind of stuff. But uh, now I wanted to ask you kind of on the privatization side, you know, thinking about the idea of just saving for retirement and, you know, what what are your thoughts, you know, now or how has it changed in the last few years or what you thought your post-military life was going to look like versus now that you've got a couple of quote unquote businesses, you know, it's, it's, it's a business one way or the other in what you could even do with your podcast. Like you could start doing consulting or, or host events even, you know, if you're the J, if you're the JAG podcasting guy, mm-hmm. you, know, you, that can go so many different ways. So just any thoughts on kind of what's changed for you and, in, 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 as in, you know, what I always just hear people say, what do I want to do when I grow up? Or, or I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. What have you thought about? Yeah. So, you know, I used to think when I was having a lot of fun, you know, whether it was living in Garmish and skiing just about every day, you know, for PT or being deployed somewhere, thinking, hey, I can't imagine life being any better than this. I mean, I've got my family, we're traveling and and I've got a good paycheck, you know, and I kind of thought, you know, after I retire, you sort of already had your fun and you're you're just waiting to die. But (laughs) since then, I've realized that Man, there's a there's a whole new world out there, and it is a chance to explore. Somebody said, you know, how often do you get a chance to redefine yourselves in a life? Mm. And here I am. I don't know. I still don't have a job lined up. I have an interview on Friday on a government side. I have a couple other irons in the fire, and there's a little bit of nervousness, but it's also a tremendous amount of excitement of, you know, door number one, door number two, or door number three, and you have to keep plugging away. But I really think like. Wow, you know, as the kids leave the nest here, we're going to have the opportunity to go visit them or, you know, go maybe my wife and I do something that we haven't done for a while. And the financial obligations, which we've taken on willingly of sending kids to school and all those things, those are going to be gone. And, you know, now it's like, here's a chance to keep working, making money and not to, for the sake of making money, but to do those things that we want to do. And, you know, in talking to guys like Mike and others, there's a tendency, I think, for especially government lawyers, military lawyers to say, well, I'm going to go government. It's easy. They know what we've done. It's an easy transition. And, you know, you look at, for example, GS-15 in D.C., 
I think the top of the pay table is like 183, 185,000. That's it. You know, if you were fortunate to come in as a GS 15 step 10, which you're not, that's your ceiling right there with cost of living adjustments. Whereas, you know, you talk to people who have made it to the outside, they're like, oh yeah, you know, my bonus is 15, 20, 20, 25% of $200,000. And you realize, okay, I've been doing this game changing my whole career of switching from one job to another. There is some money to be made and it's not a poor quality of life where you don't get days off. I mean, with COVID and and remote working, you're hearing that a lot of these places are in hybrid situations anyway, but you're going to have the flexibility that you're seeking. Yeah. Could you even, I mean, I heard that people during, during like programmers during um, COVID, they were getting fully hired by two different companies and the companies didn't even know it. <laughs> they were coming. I just read an article about that. Some guy was an IT guy. He was working for three companies oh, and he still is. He's pulling in $300,000 a year. He's paid off his mortgage and he's put money back for kids school. And, and, and the article, I think it was in a magazine entrepreneur online. He was talking about how you got to be smart about it and how you need to, uh, Never turn on your camera because, and you need to block out. You got to be religious with your Outlook calendar so that they can see private or something that they're not trying to schedule meetings. And he basically said having one or two trusted agents and basically saying that none of these jobs take up more than 33% of yeah. his business time. That's crazy. Well, I mean, and that's, you know, my, my point with bringing that up is, is kind of like, you know, we often misunderstand our value for what the salary is going to be. And I was going to ask, you know, do JAGs not, are they not aware of how much they could get paid? Because I mean, as an active duty officer, I'm, I was always thinking, yeah, if I make six figures in the real world, that's good enough. That seems like a lot. And I kind of just stopped there. Even when I got into finances, I was still so young. I just couldn't even fathom the idea of making a multi six figure income. And yet that's almost required right now. And then you don't even need to spend as much time doing it and you could pick up side gigs or I'm not saying go out and get two jobs and lie to the other one, <laughs> but, but the ability, I mean, what you did is you used your free time. And I think since people think, ah, no, I got a job eight hours a day, whatever it is, even if I'm working for home to not even think outside the box to go, you know, don't worry about saving more money in your 401ks and stuff. You're trying to develop a talent or a skill set to go make more money. Because then eventually you could quit your job if you want, or that job's going to end anyways. You know, do you want to have something else on the side? Not for everybody, but that's what was you know seeing you recognize that opportunity to to see extra value. You know, where else could you see uh, retirees um, doing something like that? Maybe. Yeah, I guess part of it, Scott, is you know it depends on the situation. If you're dual income, for example, uh, I'm thinking of a guy right now who retired as a Navy captain and went into government work. His wife is a lawyer on the outside, has been her whole career, makes pretty good bank. So between her, his retirement, the kids are out of the house, that it allows him to stay around something he knew and make some money and have something to do. And, you know, I'm sure they're doing fine with investments. Or, you know, you look at somebody else, for example, who you know, maybe did litigation and all they wanted to do was litigate. So I think it really comes down to individual situations. For me, you know, my wife, we chose, we decided that she was going to stay home. You know, she originally was going to work and then we ended up having five kids. And then after about the second one, she said, you know, my primary job is to be a mother to these kids. I'm going to be home with them. 
and you need to go out and make the money. And we've been able to do that. It's it's worked for us. And I joke with her, you know, I want to be a kept man now, but she <laughs> wants to be a kept woman. So, so you know, that's sort of how we've lived our lives, the decision we reached. So it's incumbent upon me to find that next step yeah. that will allow her to continue doing that. And, you know, she wanted the, she w- still likes the idea of job security that comes with working with the government, but she's also realized, you know, talking to a friend that's in the corporate world of there's money to be had out there and his life is pretty good. And so again, not, not paint any of us as money no. hungry, but to be able to work to live instead of yeah. living to work. That's what I would say is like, you've served for it, you've earned it. Like you're collecting the pension and hey, an 06 pension's pretty good. But unfortunately, it's not what you probably thought when you committed to a career in the military. You're like, oh, I'll retire around 50. You know, I did the math and that seems like it'd be enough. Well, that was probably uh, 10, 20 years ago when the dollar was worth more. So, you know, seeing an opportunity to make more money is almost, you know, required. Or it's like, why not take advantage of the opportunity if it's going to be there? Uh, to earn more money. And they, if, you know, yeah. if it's not forget about it. And especially as a JAG, because so many people are coming out of the military and your skill set is leadership. Well, how do you translate that in the dollars? <laughs> yeah. How do you but, quantify that? You know, as a JAG or a doctor, you, you've got a unique opportunity to at least have a label on it that translate. Infantry officer doesn't translate as well. So, you know, yeah. you know, get what you earned, I say. Absolutely. You know, and one of the things that was helpful was a couple of years ago, a colleague I worked with, introduced me to this military to civilian calculator on dinkytown.net where you go in and you enter your annual pay, your allowances, what state you live in, whether you pay state tax, and then you go over and you figure out, okay, here's where I'm going to live. Here's the number of dependents I'm going to have, whether I'm taking survivor benefit, all that. And it tells you, this is the amount you must earn to accommodate the taxation that you're going to have for example, on your pension, on your job. And I think for like an 06 with 30 years, if the pay and allowances came out to like 170 or 180,000, the equivalent was like 240. Because, you know, I'm going from West Virginia where I am not taxed on my active duty pay that most likely, at least for a couple of years, going to be residing in Virginia, which does tax military retirement which does tax you know whatever job that I have. And oh, by the way, you're going to be paying personal property taxes on your cars now. And all those things that you were able to get away with under the Service Members Civil Protection Act, you can't anymore. You're exposed. And so, and it also is a motivator of, hey, what is Alice out there? What's down in Florida? What's in South Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee? All those states that don't tax military retirement to say, what is the best financial situation for me as I get ready to go out the Absolutely. door? I do want to ask you, it sounds like you and your wife are very in sync in regards to the roles you want to play in the family. And because you are a client of ours, one thing I want to ask about is, you know, we we are constantly trying to find ways to articulate this, our solution to, let's say, a military spouse. And we we tend to 
struggle with that. And so I'm curious in your experience and we're in, in speaking with your wife about these financial decisions, like how did that conversation go when you said, you know, we're going to privatize the pension? Well, again, it, she had gone through the experience with her mm. mother of seeing the delay between death yeah. and all that getting settled and knowing that, you know, Scott and I've talked about this, about the inability to plan or to invest. And because unless you have a war chest, a contingency chest already to get you through that period, you're going to be scrimping and saving and probably not paying some discretionary bills or not paying them in full till you get that 55% kicked in. And, you know, my mother-in-law had to go back to work and all mm. these things. And, you know, my wife has skills as an editor, but truth be told, it's not going to be enough to probably provide full time. Mm-hmm. So if if I buy the farm, you know, I want her to be able to uh, to go visit grandkids. And so the the conversation was much, much easier yeah. than I anticipated because I was like, I, you know, part of me was like almost hoping she'd say, no, I want the security. And be like, okay, well, hey, Scott, I tried, but <laughs> but she she completely got it. And um, and I've talked to other people, flag officers, general officers I stood with, you know, and, and they said, look, we did the same thing. Yeah, we didn't have kids at home, but we did a policy, we did investments, we did this or that because – as Scott points out, six and a half percent to get 55% of your retainer. The only way you make out is if you die shortly after retiring. And I really yeah. don't want to do that yet. <laughs> yeah. We don't want, we don't want that to be the only outcome and the only quote unquote positive outcome for you. And it's just great to hear that, um, you know, choosing to work with us, you're able to increase your positive outcomes, which is something we like to uh, say a lot in our company. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally at ease with my decision. And, you know, I'm just, looking for other opportunities. I'm excited to finally start doing whatever I'm going to do next. I've kind of, you know, even with NDU, it's it's stuff that I've done, you know, for a few years, the ethics and stuff. I'm ready to do something completely different, which is one of the reasons I've been looking on the outside to see what's out there. Yeah. I mean, from JAG to realtor slash podcaster. I mean, what's next for you? <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, it's funny. There's a an admiral I worked with, and unfortunately, she's going through some cancer issues. But she posted today on uh, on LinkedIn, she would, she gets, she likes being extra in movies. And she was in uh, A Man Called Otto uh, with funny. Tom Hanks. Oh, and so, yeah, so it's like, yeah, so you know what? I, maybe I can go there be you go. with Tom <laughs> yeah. Hanks or something. Tom Welsh and Tom Hanks. <laughs> awesome. Hanks and there Welsh. you go. Well, uh, Scott, any final thoughts you want to share with Tom before we wrap up here? No, I just just really you know honored to have gotten to know you, Tom, and just really appreciate you. You know, as I was exploring, the, you know, my start my small business a little bit. Yeah, I might have been a couple years ahead a little in launching the ideas of doing podcasts and YouTube, writing books and stuff. But you're one of two people and the only one who's actually really ran with it and started your kind of own thing outside of the whole finance world or military, you know, I'm going to get you a job, but just like, Hey, I'm networking. We're all trying to network. Something's missing. I'm filling a gap at the same time. You know, let's see what happens and just put yourself out there. So just really cool to watch. I'm glad it's worked out so well. And I'm sure there's so many other people who have benefited from your show and haven't reached out to you, haven't let you know, because it all just happens, you know, in the ether, you don't even recognize it, it's like, where did I hear that thing? And and um, that's just, if you don't put it out there, it never would have happened. So thank you for doing yeah. it, man. Yeah. Now, let me wrap up with this. The best thing about our relationship is it was never defined by becoming mm. a client. 
And you were very upfront about that is, hey, look, go with me. Don't go with me. Go this option. Don't go this option. But at least look at it, at least consider it and make an informed decision, which we all say we want to do. But somehow with the Internet, we've all gotten more (laughs) ignorant. But, you know, my relationship with Scott Tucker has not been defined by insurance or U.S. Vet Wealth. It has been a vet to vet Mm. connection. And what you see, what you get, the authenticity is there just like you meet with the majority of military veterans. Yeah. Wonderful. I just saw so many gaps in people just saying, I don't know what I do after the military. It's like, you know, there's so many resources. How do we not know? It's well, everybody's situation is unique and different. And so niching down or or finding that niche area of interest is what's going to help. So whatever it might be, whether it's coming out, you know, as a JAG, so you want to talk to other JAGs, or you're trying to get into a completely new industry, you're going to go find those people. But if it doesn't exist, then you got nobody to talk to. So you created something uh, totally new that's going to just continue to help out many JAGs and the other ones. And so for what little part I had in helping that show get started, I'm hoping that those JAGs keep me in mind if I ever need them. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> when we need lawyers. Yeah. Awesome. Tom Walsh, thank you so much for your time. We appreciated having you on here on Holding on the Fort. Oh, this was a blast. Thanks for having me. Hey, this is your host, Jen Amos. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. Visit holdingdownthefortpodcast.com to access the full show notes of this episode, including resources mentioned and bonus content. Once again, that's holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. Lastly, stay after this outro music for something a little extra. Thanks again and chat soon. Bye for now. Right, hey everyone, welcome. Welcome to the post commentary. At this point, I still don't have a, a cute name for what the post commentary is going to be called. We're just going to call it post commentary. And I want to remind you all that if you enjoy the show and you want to continue to eat up our content, if you're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, there's not going to be a new episode between now and Monday. What am I going to do between then? What am I going to do in the weekend? Well, you can go ahead and create a free account in our free portal, our podcast portal, which the website is holdingdownthefortpodcast.com forward slash portal. I'm so proud of that link, by the way. I was going to use like a short link, like a bit.ly link, and it was going to be really ugly. And then I found a way to do holdingdownthefortpodcast.com forward slash portal. So at the very least, entertain me and see if it works. I feel like I should be asking people that. I was like, does it work? Like, can you log in correctly? (laughs) I always like to know if it's working or not. So if it doesn't, let me know. Would be great to find out before the end of the season because I've been talking about this portal the whole time. But yeah, you'll be able to find bonus content on there about holding out the fort, whether it's about my journey as a podcaster or anything that our guests wanted to share after the fact that, you know, their episode has aired. Or if you're, you know, you are a military retiree and you're looking to educate yourself on, you know, your personal finance before you transition out, or even if you're fresh out of the military, this resource is still available and free and relatable to you. So all of that can be found on holdingdownthefortpodcast.com forward slash portal. 
And yeah, I guess that's it. That's really the last thing I have to share. This way through the season, it's been so, so, so fun to hear everyone's stories about what they're doing to stop following orders, to think outside of the box, and to manifest their dreams. And I have been so inspired this season to listen in on these conversations, to encourage these conversations. And I hope that you as a listener also feels motivated. And the fact that you're still here listening tells me that you're enjoying this. So wonderful. (laughs) So again, thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have a great weekend and we'll talk to you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Thank you.